Hello, and welcome back to the Blaze Experience. Thank you for coming back. If you're coming back, you're coming back for episode 14 today. And episode 14 will be about some cars in State of Decay 2. But first, I want to wish everyone a happy Independence Day. This is being recorded on July 4th, 2018. And for our U.S. listeners, it is Independence Day. For our international listeners, you know, I hope you had a great day as well if you're not celebrating, but... For everyone, I hope today was a great day for you. And in other news, we actually joined a new podcast network. The Blaze Experience is now part of Podcast New Hampshire. And this is a podcast network for podcasters in the state of New Hampshire in the U.S. So we're very happy to be a part of that. And hopefully near in the future, we'll be collaborating with some of those podcasts. And then, of course, we had our contest. So I'll get into the results of that. Now, our contest was, of course, for this podcast. We test the cars in SATA Decay 2. And for people that help test with that, or they help give the podcast a review, or they followed us on Twitter, they got an entry into the contest. And I want to thank everyone right now for participating in that contest. It's much appreciated. So thank you again. But our winners, our second prize winners, were French Toast 8783 and Tyler1018. So both of you will receive any melee weapon you want, any rucksack you want, and any skill book you want. So those will be your prizes. Just contact me on Discord or however you want to contact me, and I'll get those prizes to you. And our grand prize winner was Carl Corpse Goody. Carl, you will receive any gun you'd like, any facility mod you'd like, and your choice of either three rucksacks or three skill books. So congratulations to all three of you. Thank you for helping out with the contest, and just contact me and I will get you your rewards. But thank you again. And now for today's episode, like I said, we're going to be getting into the top five cars in State of Decay 2. Technically, I'll be ranking all the cars. But I say top five because the top five are going to be your ones that really matter and they really stand out in this game. So the bottom 10, you know, not as much with one caveat. We'll get to that. But I do think there's one card not in the top five that is definitely worth your consideration. But we'll get into that a little bit later in the episode. In addition, we do have some news about the game. So I will get into the news first. We're going to talk about the new patch notes that release. Patch 2.1 was released today. Or sorry, I think it was yesterday, technically, but it was late at night, so pretty much today for most people. But we'll get into that. But first, we have some news about the new DLC. And no, I don't mean the Independence Day DLC. Actually, the Daybreak DLC, it was announced that that's going to come out in September. So I'm not sure the official date yet, but September we'll get the new Daybreak DLC. Not much is known about it yet, but... Undead Labs has gone on record of saying that this DLC will put players in the shoes of a well-equipped Red Talon soldier in a new horde-like mode that challenges players to compete, complete the objective sorry, by protecting a fortified position against waves of zombies. So basically it sounds like this is going to be a mode where you get a Red Talon person that's well-equipped with you know, probably a lot of guns, a lot of ammo, maybe a lot of meds with them. And you have to take off weight, 
take on ways and ways of zombies. I don't know if you'll get a base that you can kind of customize or I'm not sure if this survivor dies, if it's still permadeath and then you just restart the game with a new one or how the mechanics of that will work, but I'm definitely interested to see that. I am kind of glad that it sounds like you won't have to use your own community survivors in a way because if you use your own community survivors and there was permadeath, that would really suck to lose your community survivors in this mode. So it'd be kind of a risk thing to take on that. But it does sound like you'll just get a random red talent person and get to go with them. Although it would... We'll have to see how it actually plays out. But because it's not going to affect your community anyway, that's a good thing in some ways. But I can also see the bad side of it because it kind of takes away from part of what the game of State of Decay is. Because with State of Decay, there's always that fear that you're going to lose your characters. So if you get a random red talent person and you lose him and then you can just restart it with another random red talent person, then there's not really any fear of death in that mode. But again, I mean, I don't know a lot about the mode yet, so I could be wrong, but those are just some thoughts I have so far just hearing this news. But it does sound like it will be fun to take on, you know, a bunch of waves of zombies in whatever this mode will be. So if there's any more news that comes out about this mode, I will definitely let everyone know. But now we can kind of get into the patch notes 2.1. Patch 2.1 was much smaller than patch 2.0, but that's fine. I mean, patch 2.0 was a, basically a mega patch that had so much detail in there. Patch 2.1 was definitely a smaller one. And there's a couple of great things in here and a couple that don't seem to mean a lot to me. I'm sure it means something for the game overall, but I don't really understand what they did with some of these things. But we'll kind of get into it. So one of the things they did is the purchase DLC button on main menu now works properly for players with new profiles who don't own any DLC. The mission builder makes your own gear can now be completed if the player has a built-in machine shop at their base. Characters on the community screen now reorient correctly when changes are made to the community. Newly selected leaders are now positioned correctly on the community screen. They have fixed an issue with sometimes newly recruited community members would overlap or be standing too close to others on the community screen. So basically all of those, it sounds like they fixed a lot of things on the community screen. I wasn't really noticing any issues myself, but for anyone that was noticing issues with this, then I guess it'll help. I mean, to me, it doesn't seem like a lot of really depth to those changes, but it's probably something that's cosmetic that will at least help the look of things. So it's definitely good that they fixed whatever that was. However, these next two, these are definitely like the heart of this patch, I would say. These next two are what I would consider, you know, great fixes to the game, something that we definitely needed and something that players were definitely wanting. So when they released the latest patch, it actually created an issue with the gunsling specialization which a lot of players spoke out about. Undead Labs did say that they already knew about it, but it's just something they couldn't catch in time because the patch had already gone through the testing phases. But characters who have earned at least one star in their gunsling specialization are now able to snap aim with the A button as expected. So basically, gunsling will now work as it did before. That is corrected again, so no one has to worry about that anymore. It's all corrected. So that's a very good thing. I don't currently have anyone in my community that has gunsling, but if I did, then that would help out a lot. 
And the other really big one is characters now properly gain experience in their close combat specialization when fighting with their close combat weapon. This is one that I definitely experienced a lot myself. My community leader actually has close combat, and I would try to fight zombies with the close combat skill, but it wouldn't actually improve it. What I had to do before the patch is I had to have them watch training videos in the family drive-in, or I had to have them use a fighting gym. Those are the only two ways I could get their close combat skill up. However, now that this is fixed, anyone with close combat doesn't have to do those two things. They can just fight normally with their close combat weapon and it'll go up. Just keep in mind anyone that is trying to do this, you do have to have no melee weapon equipped in order to do this. Because it's only your close combat weapon will make it go up. So just to make sure everyone understands that, unequip your melee weapon and have just your close combat like your barbecue fork or your combat knife or whatever your small weapon is, that's what you have to use to make it go up. But it's great that that is fixed now, and I definitely look forward to characters I have in the future actually having that work properly. Another fix they had was in-game independence pack purchase confirmation banner no longer eagerly pops up with every player session. This is something I didn't notice too much offhand, but it definitely sounds like something that can be a nuisance and annoying for players that if they didn't want to purchase the Independence Pack DLC, it'd be kind of annoying if it keeps popping up in your face every time you get on. So it is nice that they fixed that and took that, you know, constant reminder for people away. I mean, I already have the package myself, but I could see someone that for whatever reason they don't want the pack, how that would really get in their get on their nerves, I guess. Now, this is another one that's fairly big. I didn't encounter any of these bugs myself, but they fixed several missions that occasionally couldn't be completed due to missing items, such as Lost and Found, Search for the Mace, Eagle Eye, Sniper Stash, and the various resource scavenging radio missions. These missions should now properly place the necessary items in the world. So that is a great thing too, because say you're searching for the mace and it doesn't actually put the mace in the world, then you can't do that mission, obviously. So it's great that they actually fixed these and that that will be back to normal. But that's honestly it for this patch. I mean, this patch was a very small patch. That's the only fixes they note they gave to us. So definitely a lot smaller than patch 2.0. But like I said, patch 2.0 was kind of a mega patch with a lot of fixes, a lot of content. And I wouldn't expect every patch to be that big. But this patch definitely has some great things. Most notably, the close combat and gunslinging fixes. So I'm definitely looking forward to those working properly. And I'm also looking forward to that Daybreak DLC in September. But now we can move on to our main topic. Our main topic, of course, is the upgraded cars in State of Decay 2. So we're going to go through all 15 cars. This list includes 12 upgraded cars. And then it also includes the three new DLC cars. Because if you listen to the last episode, the three new DLC cars actually count as upgraded cars, according to Unled Labs, because you can't upgrade them again. So just a little bit about the process that we use for this. Basically, it involves rating the cars on subjective and unsubjective ratings. And I try to capture statistically what the best cars were instead of just using one person's subjective opinion. So like I know on YouTube, for example, you can find videos like, oh, this is the best car or, you know, this one's the fastest car, so it's the best. I didn't really want something like that where I just said, yes, this car is the best. Because 
it's my opinion. I mean, I wanted something where it has a little bit of statistics back backing it because anyone can just get on YouTube or get on a podcast or get on any medium and just say, this is the best car and not really have anything to back that up. I wanted to have a little bit of data to back this up. So I realize this isn't definitive, definitive, but I think this podcast will serve as a better reading of what the better cars are than someone just randomly saying it out. So in order to do this, I wanted to use as many categories as possible that would let us know what the best car was. Now, in doing this, I just tried to think, you know, what factors actually go into making the best car. And the categories I did use were appearance, speed, handling, and functionality. Appearance might not seem like it goes into what makes the best car, but to me, I think it is definitely a factor because as players, you don't want to drive a car that looks like shit. I mean, if it's the best car, you want it to actually look good, too. So I think appearance does have some factor in what makes the best car, even though it doesn't impact how it actually functions. I think it the aesthetic of it actually does have some weight to us. The speed, I think that's pretty self-explanatory. Obviously, the speed is going to be a factor because if a car is dirt slow and you have to get away from zombies, then it's not really going to be the best car for you. If it's very fast, then obviously that's going to be better because you can get where you want to go faster. You can get back to your base faster. You can get away from zombies faster. So speed is easily a factor. Handling is a factor because if a car fishtails on you too much, then it's not really going to be effective for what you want to do. I mean, if you're trying to get away from zombies fast and you make a sudden turn and the car just fishtails out of the way, then you could have a bunch of zombies staring in your face again. So you don't want a car that's going to fishtail a lot. You don't want a car that isn't going to respond properly to the moves you want to make. If you want to make a quick turn, you want that car to make that quick turn with you. If you want to back up fast, you want the car to respond properly to when you back up. Basically, handling is just essentially how the car handles. It's how it does in the turns, how it does changing speeds quickly, just things like that. The functionality category, that basically has to do with the trunk space and the person capacity. So in this one, I took into weight the trunk space, you know, whether it had eight slots, whether it had five slots, whatever the trunk capacity was, along with the person capacity. Some cars you can only fit two people in, some cars you can fit four in, some cars you can actually fit six in using the truck bed of the car. So we took that into account and basically that's the functionality. Those two put together, that's how well it functions because it basically lets you know this car is more usable than other cars. If a car only has two doors and two trunk slots, it's not really as usable. It's not as practical, I would guess. So it's either functionality or practicality. Basically, I looked at it the same way. So how practical is this car for you to use? You know, you're not going to take a car with two trunk space and two people can fit in it if you have a four-player multiplayer game. I mean, you're probably going to want something that actually has four people can fit in there and like six trunk space or eight trunk space. You're not going to want a smaller car. So basically, what car is more practical is this factor. So those are the four categories I looked at to determine what is the best car. Based on these four combined, 
that is what gave us total scores, and these total scores are what informed me into what cars were ranked higher, what cars ranked lower. Now, I know some of you are probably thinking there's other factors involved. I did look into other factors, but some of them just didn't seem like they were testable or that they provided enough information. So one category I considered using was fuel efficiency, but the problem with fuel efficiency is it's very hard to test it. I mean, if you think about it, how would you really test fuel efficiency if you're going to test it? You'd have to drive the car around to one part of the map, and you probably have to see how fast the gauge goes down. But how are you actually going to test how fast that gauge goes down? I mean, are you going to count seconds? Are you going to wait till it goes all the way to zero? And the other thing with that is it seemed like the cars didn't really have enough difference in there that would be worth testing. Because the upgraded cars, besides the Pyrohawk and the Burninator, which do burn more fuel, the other 13 cars don't seem like they have that much variance in fuel efficiency. So I didn't think it was worth it to include this because it would take a lot of time to figure out a proper testing method, and it didn't seem like it'd be worth it in the long run. So I didn't think that was worth actually using as a method to test these cars. The other one I really wanted to test when I originally came up with this idea is durability. Because durability is definitely a factor that matters. You know, if your car breaks down really fast, that's a problem. If it holds up to a lot of zombie hits, then that's a great thing and that's a car you want to use. The problem with testing durability, though, is... I actually had a friend and I try to test it, and we started to test this, but these upgraded cars, they just have so much durability that there really isn't enough variance to actually test this properly. Because we were driving around, we took a couple different cars, we tried it a couple times, and we were hitting about 40 zombies with each car, and the cars still weren't breaking down, really. So it seems like these cars just, the durability, if we actually test this out, we kept going with it. Who knows what we would have got to? We might have got to 80 zombie hits before it actually broke down. And that's a lot of time to test that for cars that really aren't breaking down that much. I mean, I know from my experience, the upgraded cars, I haven't really had them break down too much at all. So you're not going to have to use as many toolkits with these cars because they break down a lot harder. Pretty much you have to drive them off cliffs and things in order for them to break down. So yeah, fuel efficiency and durability, that's the reasons we didn't test those. Basically... It's really hard to find a proper testing method to do it properly and have that be effective. And the other problem was it just seemed like all the cars were too similar in these areas. Now, functionality or practicality, that is a method that basically I just assign values on this based on the trunk space and the person capacity. This isn't something that's really subjective in my eyes. This is something that just is a fact. If a car has only two trunk space and two people can fit in it, then that car does not deserve a good score for functionality because it doesn't function well. It doesn't actually help you in practical use. If a car has eight trunk space, that car is a lot more practical. So that car deserves a higher score. To me, that is not a subjective factor at all. So those just got pretty much straight up ratings. The ones that were subjective are the appearance, speed, and handling. Those are definitely subjective matters. So what we did to test those is I found as many people as I could to come into my game and test the cars. They drove them around a little course I made. And when they were done driving around this course, 
I asked them, okay, what would you rate this out of 10 on appearance, speed, and handling? So people rated these out of 10, with 10 being the highest and 1 being the lowest. And I took all these scores and compiled them together and then did an average score for the car on each factor. And then what I did is I took the average for that car for appearance, the average for speed, the average for handling, and the functionality score, combined those to get a second average, and that is the car's total score. So for instance, if the Z Buster had, this isn't the real scores, but just for example, if the Z Buster had a five in appearance, a five in speed, a 10 in handling, and a seven in functionality, I would take those four scores, which were all averages themselves except for functionality. I would add those four scores together, divide that by four, and that would give the total average for the car. And basically, these numbers are what I use to determine what were the best cars. So the higher the number for the total score, that car ended up being better because this car was rated on four different factors, which were rated over and over again by several people. And this is what they came out to be. So that being said, we can kind of get into our 15 cars. There's basically five tiers, I think, um, you know, three per tier. The top tier, I would say, are like your blue chip cars. Those are your cars that you can pretty much take them anywhere, anytime, and they'll be a great car to use. You know, there's not really any situation that you wouldn't want to use these cars. Those are kind of your blue chip ones. Tier two is kind of your good or your situational cars where they're good most of the time. You know, most times if you take it out, then it'll be a great car to use. It's going to do the job you want it to do. Or it's a car that's more situational where in certain situations, this car is going to perform better than other cars. So you might actually want that car over other cars in a situation. Tier three is sort of your average vehicles. They're not going to be really great like the other cars but they're also not going to be that bad either. They're going to be cars that you can still depend on to do a job if you really need to. And if you have this car, then it's still going to do what the job is supposed to do, but it's not going to be, you know, above the rest. Tier four is your below average cars. These cars, they're definitely lacking in some areas. They're not the worst of all, but they're definitely lacking severely in some spots. So these cars are cars you probably don't want to use too often, but if you're in a pinch, they are better than some of the cars, what I'd say. Tier 5, these are the cars, basically what I call this section is don't touch it with a 10-foot pole. Because these are the cars that there is absolutely no situation ever you would want to use this car. I mean, the three cars that are in this category, I can't think of any situation where, oh yes, I really want to use that car right now. It just doesn't happen. I mean, these cars, I guess if you want to have them for novelty purposes, you can have them just look at it to your base. But other than that, they're they're really not worth your time, honestly. So when I get to these cars, just ignore these cars after I'm done talking about them. So just throw them out of your mind and don't think about them anymore, honestly. All right, so we'll start going down the list. I'm going to go from 15 to 1. So the car I talk about first will be the worst car in the game. Well, let me specify technically. Technically, the worst upgraded car in the game. Obviously, the unupgraded cars will probably be worse than this, but out of the 15 upgraded cars, this is the worst car. 
So number 15 would be the Mega Max. The reason why the Mega Max is so horrible to use is honestly the functionality and practicality of it. It's just not practical at all to use this car. This car has two seats and two trunk space. I didn't stutter. Actually, two trunk space. Let me say it again. Two. That's not worth your time at all. I would never, ever, ever use this car unless I had to walk. I mean, if you have to walk and the option is either walk or use this car, maybe in that situation use that car. But this car is so bad that it's still a maybe in that situation because I have some people that have great stamina and I'd almost rather just run than take this car. I mean, with two trunk space, what are you going to put in there? I mean, if you put a gas can in there, that's one trunk space already gone. So what, a gas can and one rucksack? That's all you can do with it? It's, it's not worth your time. That being said, I will officially announce the scores for this car, even though I really think it's not even worth it to talk about it. But basically, this car got a one for the practicality of it, because there is no car in the game that's worse than this car out of practicality. The speed, it got a 7.3. The appearance of 5.7 and the handling was a 4.8 so overall this gave a score of 4.7 for total score and honestly what knocked this down the most is obviously the practicality but I think most people would agree with me that two people fitting in it and two trunk space it's not worth using the speed however this car is one of the faster cars in the game I'd say it does have some pretty good speed, but it doesn't really match that speed with great handling because this car does fishtail a lot. So that's another knock against it. And the appearance, I mean, that is obviously very subjective. Personally, I find the appearance, you know, pretty decent with this car. I mean, it's not a car I love in appearance, but it's not a car I hate in appearance either. So it's it's decent for appearance for me. So next up, our number 14 ranked car, we have the Viking. Oh, I almost forgot to. Before we officially talk about the Viking, you upgrade the Mega Max from the Maximilian. So if you upgrade a Maximilian, that's how you get your Mega Max. And the Viking, you can either upgrade a Rams V or a Utility Truck. Those are the cars you can upgrade to get a Viking. But honestly, in my opinion, you're almost better off to stick with the Rams V or the Utility Truck. Because the Viking, this is a pretty bad car as well. The biggest thing with it is when you upgrade it from those trucks, you actually lose seating space, which that does not help its case at all. Now, the Viking has four seats and six trunk space. So you might think, well, how are you losing seating space? It's because you lose the truck bed. Without that truck bed, you can't fit the extra two people in there. So you can't fit six people in there anymore. Now, I know there's obviously not a lot of situations where you want six people, but it is definitely possible. I mean... If you have three friends with you in multiplayer game, that's obviously four already. And then if you have an NPC following you, then you'd want extra seats for that. So you wouldn't be able to fit that situation. A car with six people spots, then basically any situation in the game, you can use that car. However, the biggest problem for the Viking seemed to be the appearance and the speed. Now for appearance, the Viking got a 2.4 and... Again, this is over a lot of people rating it. I mean, 
not many people liked the Viking at all. The highest appearance score the Viking got was a six, and that was the highest. So not really anyone liked the Viking appearance. I mean, it's got like two big gas canisters in the back, and I heard from a lot of people that it just made it look ugly, kind of. The speed, it got a 4.3, and I think there was only one or two cars that scored lower in speed. This car is not a fast car at all, and I personally gave it a 1 for speed. To me, this is the slowest car in the game. It didn't score that way because, obviously, it wasn't just my opinion in here. But for my personal opinion, I think this is the slowest car. But either way, whether it's my opinion or the composite score, it definitely scored low in speed either way because it's definitely one of the three lowest no matter what. I mean, it pretty much feels like you're crawling up a hill when you use this car, and you don't want to crawl up a hill, obviously. The handling, it did get a 5.4. I mean, it was kind of average handling, mainly because the speed is so low that it can't really not handle great because the speed is so low to not to. The best thing going for this car is honestly the practicality of it. I mean, it does function well with, you know, having the six trunk spots and four people capacity. So that's the best thing going for it. But again, I mean, when you upgrade it, you actually lose two people spots. So that doesn't really help its case. But overall score was a 4.775. So basically just 0.075 over the Mega Max. So not much better than the Mega Max. And I should say, too, before we move on, it wasn't like a huge difference overall when in these numbers. The number one car was three points higher than the number 15 car. So it's not like, you know, one car is leagues and bounds above the rest, although the top car did pretty much outscore the rest of the cars in a lot of categories. But we'll get to that when we get there. All right, moving on to number 13 is the Wichita ES. The Wichita ES is upgraded from the Miragra. Now, this car has four trunk capacity and... It also has four people spots. This car scored a six in handling, a 4.6 in appearance, a four in practicality, and a 6.9 in speed. So speed was its biggest facet. Overall, it got a 5.375. So this car, honestly, it's not as bad as the Viking Omega Max. I mean, if you really had to use this car, it's not going to kill you. Using the Viking and the Mega Max, I think you're probably going to die a slow death if you use those cars. Like You'd be better off fading a Juggernaut than using those cars. That's how bad those cars are, honestly. But the Wichita ES, I wouldn't put it as low as those. So technically, maybe it deserves its own tier where it's pretty bad, but not as bad as those ones. But I still wouldn't really use the Wichita ES, honestly. I mean, the speed is a little bit surprising on it. You don't expect it to be as scrappy as it is, I guess. But the practicality of it, again, just kind of sucks. I mean, the four trunk space, it's not as bad as the Mega Max. Four trunk space, you really want more than that, honestly. Because if you're going out on any journey, you're going to find stuff. You're going to find rucksacks. You might find some guns that are pretty heavy you want to put in there. Maybe some facility mods. So you want that trunk space. That trunk space is everything in this game, and you definitely want more trunk space than it gives you. But that brings us to number 12. Number 12 might actually surprise some people. 
This is a brand new car just introduced into the game. It's one of the DLC cars, the Meat Wagon. The Meat Wagon actually scored number 12 out of 15 cars, so that doesn't really speak well for it. Um, I think the Meat Wagon is more of a more of a novelty car. I wouldn't really say it's something you want to use more than just a couple times just to test it out and look, oh, hey, I dropped some meat out of the back of the truck. That's funny. Ha ha. But other than that, like other than the ha ha effect of dropping some meat out of the back of it, I don't really see this car being one you're going to use that much. As far as the scores, though, the handling was a four. Appearance, 6.5. Practicality or functionality, a nine and a 3.3 on speed. This gave it a total score of 5.7. So basically the best thing going for it is the practicality of it. It does have eight trunk spots, which is amazing, but only two people can fit in there. So if you have some friends with you, it's not really gonna be the best car for you. The speed is really killer on this thing though. I mean, it's slower than dirt, honestly. Like, Actually, no, looking at the scores, technically this car did score lowest on speed so overall out of the 15 cars this car did score the lowest on speed in my personal opinion it's not the slowest car in the game but i mean that's what the numbers are so the people that i talked to spoke and this car did score lowest i mean if i had a bigger sample size would that still ring true possibly not i mean possibly things would even out more and the viking would score lower but Honestly, no one is going to really rate this car fast on speed. I can guarantee that. So whether it's officially lowest or not, it doesn't really matter too much because this car is going to be one of the lowest in the game in speed. So like I said, I think it's more of just a novelty car where you use it a couple times. I mean, even the function of the meat, it is nice that it attracts the zombies. So maybe if you're going to infestation, you can drop some meat out of the back at an infestation and draw them all to the meat like I guess you could do that as a possibility but honestly instead of going through all that trouble why not just put a place firework down or put a boom box down that does the job a lot better in my opinion so personally once I switch maps and get rid of all these cars I'm probably not going to be using this car again I might use it in a new community just to have a third car to use until I get better cars but that's only because it's going to be a free radio command. So again, Meat Wagon, it's not the worst of the worst, but it's more of a novelty car, I think. Next, the Impaler. The Impaler scored a 5.7 handling, 7.6 in appearance, a 4 in practicality or functionality, a 5.6 in speed, and then a 5.725, so only 0.025 better than the Meat Wagon in total score. Now the Impaler, I mean, the best thing about it is probably the looks, honestly. A lot of people like the look of this car. You know, it's a classic American muscle car. It looks great. The problem is it doesn't really match those looks. You know, it might look great, but it doesn't really do much for you. The Impaler is upgraded from legendaire and it has four trunk space and four seats so again it's not as bad as the mega max but kind of like the wichita es that four trunk space doesn't really do you any favors you definitely want more trunk space than that so 
It got a pretty low practicality score. It's not that fast. It's got, you know, average handling. There's really nothing about the Impaler to love other than its appearance, honestly. I mean, don't let its appearance feel you, fool you. Just because it looks good doesn't mean you should use it all the time. So there's other cars that I think still look good and still do the job for you. This car looks good, but does not do the job it's supposed to do, in my opinion. Next is the Kaiser. Now, I will say, I think this car is getting a little bit of a bad rap. This car has... I would say it's very underrated. This car has speed that you wouldn't really expect. When I first drove this car, I was like, wow, this speed. I mean, I was not expecting that out of this little car. But the Kaiser has one of the best speeds in the game, honestly. Looking real quick, the speed of the Kaiser is actually in the top three. There's one car we haven't talked about yet, the Mega Max and the Kaiser. Those are the top three cars rated for speed. And the Kaiser, I just love the speed in this thing. So even though overall the scores say don't really use it, it is kind of a fun novelty car to use, I think. I mean, you get the Kaiser by either upgrading a taxi, a police car, or a Royale. Those are the cars you can upgrade into the Kaiser. And even though it's not a car you want to use really for much, I would say this car is at least worth upgrading to just to try it out one time because I think everyone should at least try this car out once just to see the kind of speed I'm talking about that you wouldn't really expect because when you first drive this car you're, you're kind of looking at it it's like eh, it's just a normal car you know the appearance isn't that great I mean appearance got a 6.6 .6, practicality got a 4 speed is 7.3 and a 5.6 for handling so it, there's nothing really too special about it but that's exactly why the speed is kind of surprising, because looking at it, it's not really that special. doesn't really handle that special. And it's got four trunk space and four people can fit in it. So, again, not really that special. So, this car more gets a bad rap, I think, because it's not that special. But when you drive it, the speed makes up for that a little bit. So, I think that's why this car scored a little bit higher than some of the ones below it. So, in my opinion... Definitely don't use this car, I mean, for very much at all, but I would at least upgrade it one time if you never have before, because if you've never seen what this car does, at least try it out one time and see, oh, wow, he's right, you know, that, that speed, I wasn't really expecting that speed to be that good. That's kind of in the, you know, below average car tier. Now we move up to what is the, like, average tier, where it's not really that great, but it's not really that bad either. So next on the list would be the Trail Beast. Now, I didn't officially mention this in the top of the podcast, but I had 13 out of 15 cars in my game. The two cars I did not have access to in my game were the Trail Beast and the Mega Max. However, I did go into other people's games and I did try these cars out and I had other people try them in their games. So I definitely did get to test these cars, but... These two, for whatever reason, they just weren't in my map. There was no cars to upgrade them on my maps. So I couldn't upgrade them. But the Trail Beast, this is upgraded by using the Vagabond or the Jeep. So our number nine ranked Trail Beast has stats of 7.3 for handling, 
6.4 for appearance, a 5 for practicality or functionality, and a 5 for speed. This gave it a total score of 5.925. So basically the Trail Beast, as you kind of expect, the best thing going for it is its handling. I mean, as you'd expect from the name, it's supposed to be an off-road car. You know, you'd think it would handle well, and it does just that. It does handle well. So that is a good thing going for it, but basically the rest of this car is just average. I mean, it handles really well, but you know, it it's, doesn't look that great, but it doesn't look that bad either. And same with practicality and speed. I mean, it just it's middle of the road, honestly. It does have six trunk space, which is nice, but the thing that sucks about it is only two people can feel, fit in it. So that's why I got a five for practicality because if you have friends with you in your game, you can't fit as many of them into that car. So that does suck about it. But yeah, there's not really much more to say about this car. I mean, it's a nice little car to look at. You know, it'll help you out in a pinch, I guess. But it's just middle of the road. It's just average. And there's not really anything special about it too much. I mean, it was one of the better handling cars in the game. But other than that, not too, too much to say about it, honestly. Number eight was the Helion. Now, the Helion you can get from upgrading the Brogan Trekker or the regular Brogan or the Survey Car. But just forget I ever said Survey Car because please do not upgrade your Survey Car. Please, please don't. It will destroy the features that are on the Survey Car, like I said in a previous podcast. So do not upgrade your Survey Car, please. You'll only be hurting your own game. But the Helion has four seats and five trunk space. So the five trunk space is a little bit better. You know, it does help it out. So for that reason, it did get a six for practicality. You know, it's a little bit more practical to use it because it has a little bit more trunk space. So it's not as bad. Honestly, what killed this car the most is the appearance of it. Pretty much everyone I talked to hated the appearance of this car. I mean, one person gave it a nine. I'm not really sure. I mean... I guess for whatever their taste is, they really loved it, but the rest of the scores, no one else besides this one person gave it higher than a 5. So every score was a below a 5 except for one person. So honestly, that one person, they probably saved the score from being even worse than it was because it got a 3.4 in appearance, and if it wasn't for that one person that gave it a 9, it would be even lower than that. And again, like I said in the beginning of the podcast, I mean... Part of being the best car, part of being a car you want to use, is actually looking like a good car. I mean, this car looks like you just pulled it out of a junkyard and, you know, stepped into the driver's seat. Which, in the apocalypse, I mean, it would honestly be the same thing, real world apocalypse. But in video game apocalypse, I mean, you want to be actually playing your video game in style. So, this car is definitely not in style, honestly. However, the rest of the scores for it, it did get a 7.4 in handling, like I said, a 3.4 in appearance, 6 in practicality, and a 7.1 in speed. Overall, this gave it a 5.975 total score, so only about a half point better than the last car. So yeah, the Helion, I mean, there's not really a whole lot to say about besides that. It does have kind of surprising speed in handling, I mean... It goes faster and handles better than you think it would just by looking at it, but that's the problem. I mean, just by looking at this car, you would think, oh, I don't want to use that. And that's right where the problem lies right there. 
because just by looking at it, you're already going to write the car off. Is that right? Technically, no. I mean, you should still give the car a chance, you know, and if you give this car a chance, it will surprise you and it will do more than you think it will. But the problem is no one's really going to want to give it a chance because it looks like shit, kind of, honestly. But it is a pretty average car. I mean, it, it's not going to kill you to use this car. You know, even with the looks of it, it's still going to get the job done. It's still going to do what you need it to do. It's going to go get you supplies. It's going to go save survivors, take out zombies, whatever you need to do. This car will do the job, but it's kind of just average, honestly. Next on our list, we have our number seven car, the Smash Wagon. So the Smash Wagon got a 6.3 in handling a 6 in appearance, a 7 in practicality, and a 5 in speed. This gave it a total score of 6.075, so just about one-tenth higher than the Helion. The Smash Wagon, it's honestly the epitome of average. This car, you know, it looks decent, it handles decent, it has decent speed, but Again, that's just the thing. I mean, this car is basically decent everywhere, but it's not exceptional anywhere. And that's kind of the problem that kept this car from being rated higher. You know, this car will do any job you need it to, but it doesn't excel at any job, if that makes sense. I mean, the practicality was the best thing about this car. Because it does have six trunk space and four people can fit in it. So... That is pretty good. You know, that's basically top of the line for most cars. A couple cars excel better than that. But for most cars, that's probably about as good as you're going to get. There are obviously a few cars in the game that do better than that, which will get to them because they're ranked higher. But that's pretty good. And the speed was the lowest rating technically at a five. I mean, it's not the fastest car. You wouldn't really expect it to be either, though, with all the metal on it. But it's just it's honestly average. I mean... It just is what it is. It's not going to be the best car for you, but it, it'll still do a job if you really need to. All right, now we're getting into our top six. Our top six are, well, numbers four, five, and six were our good or situational cars. This next car, I think, is the epitome of a situational car. Number six is the one car I said at the top of the podcast had like an asterisk next to it. Because there's basically the top five cars in the game, and then there's this car. So the top five are probably the only cars you should ever use. With one exception, like I said, this is the one exception that I could see you using in other situations. Number six is the Robe Mangler. Now, the Robe Mangler is upgraded from the Road Racer. And real quick, I realized I missed the Smash Wagon that is upgraded from the Pilato or Pilato CR. So, sorry I missed that one, but that's what that's upgraded from. But back to the Road Mangler. The stats for it were 6.3 for handling, 6.7 for appearance, 2 for practicality, and a 9.6 for speed. Only two people rated this lower than a 10 for speed, and that brought it down a little bit. But this is the fastest car in the game. And that is exactly why I think this car... If I was doing my personal rankings and not statistical ones, I probably would have this car in my top five, but I didn't want to do personal rankings because I felt it'd be more fair to do it based on statistics. And statistically speaking, this car did score in sixth place. 
The main reason for that is the practicality of it. I mean, it's not really the most practical car. It's only got two seats and three trunk space, so just one trunk spot above the Mega Max. So that's really why you don't want to use it. I mean, it's not going to help you that much because you can't really hold that much in it. However, it is a lot faster than the Mega Max. So the good thing about it is it does have more functionality in the sense that if you really have to get somewhere fast, the example I'll use is say a wandering trader appears in your map. Maybe you didn't notice this wandering trader until the very end. Like, oh shoot, this wandering trader only has five minutes left. I have to get there really fast and it's across the edge of my map. What do you do? You take the Rome Angler. The Rome Angler will get you there fast, get you to that trader before it ends. That is exactly why you want the Rome Angler in your collection of cars. Even though it's not technically in the top five, this car is amazing for situations where I really have to get there now. What do I do? Take the Rome Angler. This car is the fastest car. It will get you somewhere in a jiffy. So if you have to get somewhere very fast, this is the car to use. And that is exactly why this car is my asterisk car, where it's not the top five, but it pretty much should be in my eyes. So basically, kind of consider it more of a top six, I would think. I mean, obviously, for everyday use, you don't want this car because it doesn't have the trunk space to support you. But that's the main knock against this car is the trunk space. And that's why it doesn't score higher than it does. Because that trunk space with only having three, that is just not practical to use in State of Decay 2. You really want more trunk space. However, like I said, I mean, in a pinch, if you have to get somewhere, this is the car you want to use. So definitely, I would say, have one in your collection. You know, I would say get this car and save it for emergencies, like where you have to get to a trader really fast, or maybe you have to get to a zombie horde that's attacking a community's base. Sometimes, you know, when a zombie horde attacks a community member's base, like an enclave, sorry, and you have to go defend them. Maybe you have to get there fast to defend them. Or if you have to get to the trade summit or whatever you want to get to. Just if you have to get there very fast and you don't have a lot of time to do it, this is the car for you. That being said, we will move into our top five now. So from here on out, these are the top five cars in State of Decay 2. Number five, the Zed Buster. Now, I do have a friend, and he'll know who he is when I say this. His favorite car is the Zed Buster. He loves the paint job on it, and he thinks it's really cool how it looks, and he wants to pretty much only drive the Zed Buster, which, hey, I don't blame him. I mean, honestly, the paint job does look really good in this car, and for appearance, this car actually scored second highest in appearance. Appearance got an 8.4, so a lot of people do agree with my friend, and... You know, this car is looks really great. The worst thing about this car, though, is the speed. For speed, it got a 4.7. Practicality, it got a 7. And it got a 5.1 for handling. Now, the Zed Buster is upgraded from the Norma. And that's how you get this. There are two different paint jobs I've seen. There's a blue paint job where it has kind of like spikes in the front and a little bit on the side, I believe. And there's the one I got. I got the one that turns into a green version of the car. And it has kind of like a... I wouldn't really know how to describe it. It's sort of like a monster on the edge where on the side of the truck where it has like teeth and everything. So it looks kind of cool actually. 
and that's the one I got in my game. But the total score of the Zed Buster was a 6.3, which is just a little bit higher than the Rogue Mangler. The Rogue Mangler got a 6.15. So again, I mean, the Rogue Mangler probably should have been in the top five, I think, it just scored under, but... I'm okay with it because that trunk space of the Rome Angler just isn't that great. The Zed Buster, however, does have a little bit more practical use. The Zed Buster has four seats and six trunk space. That is definitely helpful. Other than that, I mean, the Zed Buster, it's in the good or situational category because there's better cars for whatever you want it to do. I mean, if you want... You know, better handling, you want better speed, you want more practicality. There's better cars in those areas. I mean, really where this car excels is in appearance, but I mean, that's not really what you want as your excelling category. If a car can excel in one category, the category you want it to excel in is not going to be appearance. Appearance is more of like an afterthought, but it has to look look good enough for us to want to use it at least. So like if a car has, you know, really great speed and shitty appearance people aren't going to want to use that car as much because it looks bad but the appearance has to be at least good enough to uphold the rest of the car is what basically i would say and the appearance of this car is it's more the opposite with this car where the appearance is what brings up the bad stats of the car so it looks so great that people will want to use it but then once they use it they'll realize oh wow this car doesn't perform as good as it looks and that's not exactly what you want in a car, but the the performance of this car isn't bad enough where it really deters you from using it. Like, for example, our Impaler from before. The Impaler, it looks great, but it performs like shit. The Zed Buster, it looks great, but it performs decent. So at least it performs decent enough that you can actually do the jobs you want to do with it. But now we move on to number four. Number four is the Big Boss. And the Big Boss is upgraded from the military truck. That's how you get that one. The Big Boss is extremely practical, and that is why this car scored so high. This car has six trunk space, but not only does it have six trunk space, you can fit six people in it. And the reason for that is you can fit four in the doors that you normally would have in a car, but you can actually fit two extra people in the truck bed of the car. So if you have three friends in multiplayer, and then you have an NPC follower, you can actually fit all of them in that one truck, which is amazing that you can actually do that, because that means this car is going to be great for any situation that you need it for. The problem with the Big Boss is its speed. The speed is one of the lowest in the game, and the only car it outscored in speed is the Meat Wagon. So the speed is very slow. And that is what keeps this car from being one of the top, top cars. But it's so practical and it looks so great that it makes up for the speed a little bit. Basically, this car got a 9.8 for practicality, a 3.4 for speed, sorry, a 7.7 .7 for appearance, and a 6.1 for handling. So essentially, this car looks great. It's very practical to use it. And that's why people want to keep using it. But the more you use this car, the more you realize it's very slow. It'll still obviously get to wherever you want. You know, it's got, it's built like a Mack truck. I mean, it 
It's very durable. It'll get you through anything. Just it's going to get you there slowly. You know, the handling is pretty good because the speed is so slow. So, I mean, this car is not going to be great if you have to get to a trader really fast. You know, you're going to want something else. But if you're going for a big fighting mission or something and it doesn't matter how fast you get there, then you could take this car. I mean, it'll take a lot of people to wherever you want to go. It'll take a lot of, you know, materials, a lot of ammo rucksacks, whatever kind of rucksack you have. It'll carry a lot of stuff for you. Just it's not going to get there that fast. So this car is definitely a good car. Um, I would definitely use the top three cars over this car, but it's definitely good enough that it'll do any job you want to do and it'll do the job good. Just it's going to do it slower than the other cars will do. And the total score real quick on that is 6.75. So it's very, very close to our number three car. Our number three car got a 6.8, which is only 0.05 better than the big boss. So the big boss was very, very close to the next car. Now, if you're keeping track at home, we do have three cars left. Two of these cars are DLC cars. So this does say that, you know, these new DLC cars, they are something you want to keep using. But before we actually get to that, we have one car left from the original cars, which was our number three car. Number three is the Vandito. So obviously that tells you what the last two cars are. But before we get into those, we will get into the Bandito a little more. The Bandito got a 6 in handling, a 6.1 in appearance, a 5.1 in speed, and a 10 in practicality. The Bandito is upgraded from the passenger van or the repair van. Or basically any kind of van will upgrade to this. I mean, the ambulance does the same thing as well. The Bandito has four seats and eight trunk space. And that is honestly what the best thing about this is, is it has eight trunk space. So it's very practical. It can carry a lot of shit with it. And that's why you want to use this car, because it can carry so much stuff. The problem is it's not really that great in any other area. I mean, if you want to go on a supply run, this is the car you want. But it's not going to get there too fast. It's not going to handle too great. And it doesn't look too great. Because the scores of this, I mean, it's 6, 6, and 5, basically, besides the practicality. So it's middle of the road in most areas, but the practicality is so great that it really raises this car up. Because you always want to have a Vandito in your base. I mean, no matter what you really think of the looks of it, no matter what you think of the speed of it, it's so practical to use the Vandito that you at least want one somewhere in your base. That way you can use it. And I think over this whole project, that's one thing I really realized. I mean, in State of Decay 2, trunk space is king. Like, honestly, that is the most important factor in any car in this game is the trunk space, honestly. So that is why this car scores a little higher, because the trunk space of 8, that is really, really useful. It's just the other factors involved. It's not that great in them, but it's not bad either. I mean... This car is definitely one you always want to have a Vandito somewhere in your base. It's always going to get any job done. You know, I would use this car day in and day out, and I would not get tired of it because it's going to do whatever job you got to do. It's going to haul whatever you have to haul. It can fit a ton of people in there. So there's really nothing bad about this car. And that's what's great about it is that there's no bad factor to it. 
It's just middle of the road in some areas, but it's so practical that it makes up for that. And like I said before, this car got a 6.8 in total score. The number two car got a 6.825. So again, very close together. A lot of these cars are pretty close together, but it's just a little bit better in one area and a little bit worse in the next. So number two car is one of our DLC cars. Like I said, this one is the Pyrohawk. And I will say... For my personal opinion, I think this car is actually a little bit too high. But again, this wasn't just my opinion. This was, you know, a combination effort of multiple people. And statistically, this car did score the best out of the sample size I had. Personally, I would probably rank this car a little lower. And I would probably have the Road Mangler in the top five. But... The things came out the way they did with the statistics, and I followed the data, and the data says this is the second best car. So if that's what the data says, that's what I have to go with until, you know, the data says differently. But honestly, the looks of this car, you know, it looks pretty great. It's got a 7.3 for looks. It got a 6.5 for handling, a 7 for speed, and a 6.5 for practicality. And that's honestly why I don't really think this car is a number two car for me personally. Because if you look at the scores, 6.5, 7.3, 6.5, and 7, it's not great in any area, but it's pretty good in every area. And that's actually why this car is scored number two. Because a lot of the cars in State of Decay 2, they have one weakness. This car does not have a weakness, and that's why it scored so highly, because... There is no weak point of this car. You know, it, it doesn't handle like shit. It doesn't look like shit. You know, it doesn't go very slow and it doesn't have bad practicality. So this car doesn't have any bad side. It's kind of like the Vandito. I mean, basically the cars that scored well, they don't have any bad side to them. They just have sides that aren't as great as other cars. So the Pyrohawk, it will do any job you have to do and it'll do the job good. It, it'll handle great, you know. It'll get there pretty fast. There's no really reason not to use the Pyrohawk. The biggest downside I'd see to it is the firework feature. The firework feature is nice, but I don't like how the firework feature, if you turn it on, it won't shut off until you turn it off. So I don't really like that because it burns more fuel. However, if you're if you actually know how to turn it off, you know, well, obviously, everyone know how to turn it off, but if you realize that you have to turn it off on yourself, then it won't burn as much fuel because you know that. But if you mistakenly don't know that and you think it's going to turn off on its own, you could burn through a lot of fuel pretty fast. But total score, this did get a 6.825. And this obviously is one of the DLC cars from the Independence Day pack. So if you don't have the Independence Day pack, the best car for you is going to be the Vandito. But if you do have the Independence Day pack, then this car and the next car are going to be your better cars. So real quick, if you guys don't have the Independence Day DLC pack, then your best cars will be your Vandito, your Big Boss, Zed Buster, and Ro Mangler. Those will be the cars you want to look for if you don't have the DLC. If you do have the DLC, then we'll get into the next car in a second, and I'll tell you what your top cars are. But that's about it for the Pyrohawk. I mean, like I said, it's it's pretty great in most areas and not bad in any. So that's why it scored so high. 
However, our number one car, it's it's the definitive number one car. It's not like, oh, this car is you know pretty good there, pretty good there, pretty good there, and that's why it's number one. This car is pretty much great at everything. Our number one car, just to give you a little bit of statistics, it was top three in handling, top three in appearance, top three in practicality. The only category this car wasn't top three overall was speed. So that is why this car is number one, and this car is number one with a bullet. This is the car you want, and you can mark that here. Like This car got a 7.95 total score, which is a point higher than number two, and three points higher than the last car. So while the rest of the cars, it was like, oh, this car is, you know, 0 0.025 better. This car is, you know, point whatever better. This car was over a full point ahead of second place. And that says a lot. For appearance, 8.8, .8, which was the top score in appearance. Practicality, top score, handling, was third place. We are talking about the Burninator. The Burninator, we got a 6.7 for handling. Like I said, that was third place for handling. The only cars that handle better, according to our stats, are the Helion and Trail Beast. But this car, when I drove it, it handles great. You know, no issues at all with this car. It'll turn when you want to turn. It won't fishtail on you. It handles like a car. You know, it handles the way it's supposed to do. Well, technically like a truck, because it is a truck. But it, it handles great. The speed of this thing is what keeps it from being an even better car. But the speed was a 6.3, which is... There's a lot of cars better than this in speed, but I think the rest of the areas make up for it. Appearance, like I said, 8.8, .8, which is the best out of any car. Second place was our Zed Buster with 8.4. It's a little bit better than the Zed Buster, but everyone I talked to pretty much loved the appearance of this car. The lowest I got in appearance score was a 5, so... For one person, this car was, you know, middle of the road for appearance, but everyone else loved the appearance of it. You know, it's got some nice stripes on the side of it, red, white, and blue. And I guess everyone, you know, got the spirit of the pack and they felt pretty patriotic with the spirit of this pack, I guess. But honestly, it just, it looks like a great car in my opinion. And practicality, it's just so practical to use this car, honestly. Just like the Vandito. The Vandito is the only other car to get a 10 on practicality. This car doesn't have the trunk space that the Vandito has, but it does have six trunk space, which is pretty good, and it has extra people. This car, you can fit six for people in there because you can use the truck bed, so it's one of only two cars in the game that you can fit six people in there for upgraded cars. So you can fit four in the main cab of the car and then two in the truck bed which the Vandito can't do, and that's why this car still gets a 10, even though it has six trunk space. So honestly, if you have the DLC, this should be your everyday car. I mean, the other great thing about it is it's so practical having those flames that burn zombies off, because unlike the Pyrohawk, when you use these flames, it doesn't stay on. If you press the button to turn it on, it'll shut off instantly until you turn it on again. So you can turn it on just long enough to flame the zombie off your car and then let go of the trigger and it's off. And that is a great thing about this car. Because not only does it handle well, not only does it look great, 
you can burn zombies to death. I mean, so is any zombies get in your car? Just burn them off. Keep on going. And the speed is going to be, you know, above average still. So there's really nothing bad to say about this car. I mean, it's got above average speed, pretty good handling, looks great. It can burn zombies off your car. It's so practical with six people fitting in it and the six trunk space that what more do you want in a car? I mean, I don't see any issue with this car personally. Even if I try to knock something of it, I can't because there's nothing I see about this car that makes you not want to use it. So I am saying definitively here on the Blaze Experience, this is the car you want to use, the Burninator. So if you don't have the DLC, try to get the CLC. I mean, I know everyone can't afford everything, so if you can't afford it, that's fine. But whenever you can afford it, this is going to be the car that really makes or breaks your game because this car will get you anywhere you want to go. It'll do any mission for you. Probably the only time I would use another car over this car is if you're going for a huge, huge supply of vision, then you might want to use the Vandito instead because the Vandito has more trunk space. Or the other situation is if you have to get somewhere really fast, you might want to take a road mangler. But basically, if I'm building a base, the cars I want in my base are the Burninator, the Vandito, and the road mangler. Those are pretty much the three I want because with those three, I can do any job and I can do it the best way. Now, the Pyrohawk, the Big Boss, and the Zeb Buster, they still scored in the top six as well. Basically, I would consider them substitutes. If you can't get a Burninator, if you can't get a Vandito, and you can't get a Rope Mangler, use those other three as substitutes because essentially if you have the Burninator, Vandito, and Rope Mangler at your base, nothing can stop you because you can do any job you want. You can do it with speed if you want. You can have a lot of trunk space. You can use the Burninator, which can burn zombies off your car. I mean, those are your three cars you want at your base at all times. But, obviously, the Pyrohawk scored second, the Big Boss scored fourth, and the Zeb Buster scored fifth. Those are still great cars. You'd still want to use those cars, and if you don't have one of the other cars yet, or maybe you don't have the DLC. If you don't have the DLC, that's fine, you know. Use your Vandito, use your Road Mangler, and use, like, your Big Boss, your Zeb Buster. You can still get some great cars out of those cars. So if you don't have the DLC, it's definitely not the end of the world. There's still great cars in the game that you can use and get the job done you want to. But if you do have the DLC, though, then you definitely want that Burninator because being able to burn zombies off your car, that is so key. And the Pyrohawk, I mean, I'm not the hugest fan of the Pyrohawk, but it honestly isn't bad in any area either. And that's why it scored so high, because it's not bad anywhere. So essentially, in conclusion... Burninator number one, Pyrohawk two, Vandito three, the Big Boss was fourth, Zed Buster was fifth, Road Mangler was sixth, seventh was your Smash Wagon, eight was your Helion, number nine was your Trail Beast, ten was your Kaiser, eleven was your Impaler, twelve was your Meat Wagon, thirteen was your Wichita ES, and then our bottom of the barrel cars were fourteen, which is Viking. And 15, which is Mega Max. Those are your top 15 upgraded cars in State of Decay 2. That's all the cars. That's all the ratings for them. And hopefully you guys found this helpful. I tried to make it 
based on data instead of based on my personal opinion because I felt like if I used some data, then it would give a clear picture of what were the best cars. It would encompass a lot more people's thoughts than just my own. So I really wanted to use some data to make a better educated guess. And I feel like it turned out pretty well. I mean, I feel like using the data we used, it actually gave us a better reading of what were the good cars and what were the bad cars. And it gave a really informed opinion on what cars you should use and what cars you shouldn't use. And I couldn't be happier with how this turned out. I mean, the only thing I would say is that having a bigger sample size would have been nice. But honestly, in any test you do, having a bigger sample size is always great. You know, even if you have a sample size of like 2000, having more than 2000 is still going to be better. So you can't have enough sample size. So I would have liked a better sample size. But even if I had 2000 people for sample size, I still would have wanted more of a sample size because the more sample size you have, the better reading you're going to get. So maybe in the future, if there's more cars released, we can do an updated podcast of this and kind of do like a top cars, you know, take number two and see if the data changes. But as of right now, you know, the Burninator is your best car in the game. And I'm saying here that if you have the Burninator, the Vandito and the Romangler at your base, then you can't go wrong. I mean, any situation, you'll be able to handle that situation. And like I said, you know, your Pyrohawk, your Big Boss, and your Zebbuster, those are your great substitute cars. The other cars in the game, I mean, the other nine, honestly, just kind of forget them if you can help it. I mean, obviously, there's situations where you, you can't because you don't have another car available. Or maybe you really like a car. I mean, maybe, you know, you're one of the people that really loves the look of the Impaler. And just because of the look of it, you want to use it. That's fine. I mean, if you're really partial to a car, then... I'm not going to knock that. I mean, if you're really partial to a car, then use that car. But otherwise, those are your top cars. So I hope everyone enjoyed that. But if you want to get in touch with me, you know, give your opinions on these cars and tell me what you think. You know, tell me why I'm wrong about this or tell me that the data didn't do a good job in predicting your favorite car. You know, maybe you're a big Trail Beast fan and you wanted the Trail Beast to score higher or something. Let me know, you know, let me know what your opinions were. You know, I'd love to hear from you. If you want to talk to me, you can find me on Twitter at Blaze Experience. You can email the podcast, theblazeexperience at gmail.com, or you can find us on Discord. I will leave a Discord link in the show notes, and you can just click that link and find us there. As always, we appreciate anyone that wants to review the podcast, so... Please, you know, go to Apple Podcasts, give us a review and tell us what we're doing great, what we're not doing great. You know, just tell us your thoughts and let us know. We really appreciate it. And like I said at the top of the podcast, we have just joined a new network, Podcast New Hampshire. So please go ahead and check out PodcastNewHampshire.com. You'll find 13 other great podcasts. We are part of a 14 podcast network right now. And You can check out some other great podcasts. There's a podcast on wrestling. There's a podcast on behavioral stuff, some music, a podcast on wellness. There's a lot of different topics talked about in this network. So those were just a couple of the podcasts. I mean, there's like 10 other podcasts I didn't mention, but just off the top of my head, those are a couple of podcasts that are there. There's one on business as well, I remembered. So there's a lot of podcast choices for you for a lot of different topics. So Check out the network, and hopefully you'll enjoy that. But as for our podcast, you already know you can find it on Apple Podcast. You can find The Blaze Experience on Google Play. 
You can find it on Radio Public, which I've been talking about for the last couple episodes. Find it on Stitcher and many other areas. So just come find us, you know, interact with me and let me know what you think of the podcast. And I really appreciate it. So thank you very much, everyone. And I will be back next week to talk to you all again. Thank you for listening to The Blaze Experience.